Hello everybody and welcome to the latest installment of the Spirit Cabinet. Last week, not last week, last episode, I talked about mediumship in the Bible and I said that the next episode or the next topic would probably be physical mediumship and that is what it's going to be. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what physical mediumship is, um, different aspects of physical mediumship, what that looks like, and what it looked like in the Victorian era versus what it looks like today, um, where we may possibly go with it. And then I want to give you some references um, if you're interested at all. So first, what is physical mediumship? So If you think of mediumship, what most people think of when they just say the word mediumship is they think of evidential mediumship. They think of giving evidence. They think of giving messages. It is communication from the spirit world, but it's coming through the mind and the mental processes of a medium. So that is mental mediumship. It is subjective um, as to where physical mediumship is where someone who has the potential, the correct physiology and body chemistry and uh, etheric anatomy can, via their energy, allow manifestations of the spirit world in an objective, physical, tangible way. So anybody who is a part of an experience with a physical medium would be able to see, hear, experience the spirit world or the phenomena created by the spirit world with their own eyes, everyone seeing the same thing at the same time, externalized in the room. And I know that that sounds, um, I know that that sounds, what's the word that I'm looking here? Phenomenal. And it is. Um, I know that that sounds far-fetched. Um, It's definitely something that challenges your sensibilities if you've been fortunate enough to witness it for yourself. Um, And I personally believe that it's very rare in comparison to mental mediumship, but there are physical mediums who still exist, um, many of which I believe keep to the privacy of their own home circles. And there are some physical mediums who are demonstrating these gifts to the public, um, although they are not as common. And of those who do present publicly, I am skeptical of many of them. Um, But I do believe that there are genuine physical mediums working today demonstrating this phenomena. And when you look at the history of spiritualism, And we go back to the mid-1800s through the early 1900s, even into the mid-1900s, physical mediumship was still fairly prevalent. Um, But when we look at the history of spiritualism, the phenomena or experiences that sort of kicked off 
the movement were physical in nature. So you think about Hydesville and you think about the Rochester wrappings and the Fox sisters, that was uh, a physical thing. It wasn't messages or, or evidence being given through someone. It was noise, physical noise, um, spirit wrappings. And that ignited the whole movement of things like seances and the darkroom seance that we tend to think of when we think of Victorian spiritualism. And then as the movement continued, it it started to lean more into trans speaking and inspirational lectures and then sort of evolved more into the mental and evidential communication that we see today. But physical mediumship never fully went away. Uh, I don't think it ever will fully go away, but I think that at the time that those manifestations occurred, it was what was needed. And as we evolved as a people, so did the nature of the phenomena. And of course, too, you always have to take into consideration when you have things like dark seances, uh, there's always going to be fraudulent practitioners and those who take advantage of those conditions. And so I think a lot of um, mediums, especially going back to sort of like mid-century, kind of backed away from physical phenomena and started to focus more on the mental phenomena to sort of um, remove some of that that fraudulent element from things. So when it comes to physical mediumship, why are we even having dark seances in the first place? So in order to understand that, I think we have to look at the mechanics of of, uh, physical phenomena and how it's produced. And I will say that there are really two main types of of producing physical phenomena, um, one being more prevalent than the other. But the traditional way that we tend to think of when we talk about physical phenomena is ectoplasmically. So first of all, what is ectoplasm? Ectoplasm is sort of an in-between... Um, matter and etheric substance. The spirit world says that it exists within everyone, but certain people that we would call physical mediums or those who have the potential for physical medium, the the chemistry makeup of the body for physical mediumship, um, either have this in excess or have a sort of a loose-knit etheric body that allows sort of the exuding of this phenomena. Now, when you say ectoplasm, a lot of people automatically think of like green slime and ghostbusters and it is not green slime <laughs> um but what's interesting about that is in ghostbusters uh Dan Aykroyd uh, a lot of the inspiration for that story came from his family spiritualist background um i believe it was his grandfather uh I don't know if his grandfather was a medium or just a spiritualist, but I know that spiritualism ran in his family, uh, mediumship runs in his family, and it was through a lot of those um, family journals and stories and experiences and things like that that sort of inspired this Hollywood version uh, that we see today. 
But ectoplasm can actually be a, a variety of different consistencies or even colors, although it's hard to sort of assign a specific color when you're in the dark or in a, a red light condition. Um, but generally it's thought of as sort of white or whitish and um, can oftentimes in its rudimentary stages look sort of smoky or haze-like, but it can be as ephemeral as smoke and it can be as hard and solid as wood or metal. It is a very changeable substance. It is a formless changeable substance that is manipulated by the spirit world to produce phenomena and it is exuded primarily from the body of the medium although um, I think to a lesser degree anybody involved in a seance there's some of that drawn from the sitters as well. Now ectoplasm can sort of escape from the body of the medium in a variety of different ways. Um, often it is the mouth, the nostrils, the ears, um, but essential or the solar plexus, but essentially anywhere that there is an orifice or an opening, um, ectoplasm can be drawn from. So I guess we kind of have to set the stage, so to speak. So you're part of a circle where you're invited to attend a physical phenomena seance. So there's a group of sitters and there is the physical medium. Now, once you are in the seance room, the light is extinguished. And this is done in complete darkness, usually or very mild red light conditions because ectoplasm is a very light sensitive substance. So it's usually a windowless room or a completely blacked out room um, because even the smallest bit of white light for the most part is dangerous and, and degrading to the ectoplasmic substance. Although it does, I don't think it has to stay that way. There have been mediums uh, throughout history who have built up a tolerance to or who have been able to withstand certain degrees of natural light, although at least for those formative years of development, light seems to be detrimental. Once they can, potentially, if it's part of the spirit team's plans that work with that medium to be able to tolerate light, it's usually red light first because red light um, is the least sort of destructive or deteriorating to the ectoplasmic substance. Anyways, so you're either in a very um, dim red light condition or a complete blackout condition. And oftentimes the medium will go into a, a cabinet, what we call a cabinet, a spirit cabinet. Now, a spirit cabinet is essentially, um, sometimes it's closet-like, sometimes it's just a curtain thrown across a wire of a corner of a room, but it's essentially just a curtained-off 
contained area that allows for the vibrations, the energy, and the power to be condensed and built so this phenomena can occur. Now, if the medium is using a cabinet, what happens is they will go into the cabinet and they will begin to go into a trance state. Now, usually physical mediums who work in an ectoplasmic way are entranced while this is happening. And it's usually a very deep level of trance, what some people may call amnesic trance, where they're not aware of what is taking place. So essentially, to those on the outside looking in, um, it's almost as if the medium goes to sleep and everybody else gets to enjoy the fun bits. Um, for whatever reason, it, it seems that the medium, um, maybe to induce certain changes in vibration, to allow these phenomena to, to materialize, the medium's consciousness needs to be repressed so other, other aspects of the power can rise up. Um, but the medium will usually go into unconscious trance. And when that happens, ectoplasm begins to exude from the body of the medium, um, enabling a variety of different physical phenomena to take place. Sometimes, too, before the medium is entranced, the circle will do things, usually start the proceeding with some sort of a prayer. They may play some sort of lively music or they may sing songs to help build the energy. Um, but once the medium is entranced, it's usually um, shortly thereafter that the physical phenomena will begin. Now, not all ectoplasmic-based mediums are unconscious or in trance. Um, one of the great examples of this, and usually it's the exception, not the norm, um, but one of the great examples of this is the direct voice medium Leslie Flint. He was not in trance, although he was a, uh, in his earlier years a trance medium, but his mediumship developed in a way where um, for whatever reason he was not required to be in a trance state so he could experience the seance and the voices just like everyone else who participated in his sittings. Um, but I'll, I'll mention Leslie again here in a moment. Now, that is the ectoplasmic um, approach. Back in the early 90s, there was a group of sitters um, that sat in a different sort of way and experienced physical phenomena in, in what they termed um, using a sort of a new energy approach. And so with the new energy approach, with this, um, the skull circle, it's called, if you, if you want to look into the skull experiments um, and anything from Robin Foy, basically it's using a, instead of ectoplasm, it's using uh, energy that is a blend of energy from the spirit world, energy from the living, um, or creative energy, 
and sort of an earth or, or geopathic energy. And the spirit world is able to harmonize that and use that to create phenomena that sometimes is exactly the same as sort of ectoplasmic, ectoplasmic phenomena and sometimes is just um, not exactly the same, but very, very, very similar. And so when working in the sort of the new energy way, um, how it differs, one, is that as to where someone who is sort of a traditional ectoplasmic physical medium, that is something that can take many years and 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 years to develop. Um, the sort of new energy approach is something that seems to be developed much more quickly, sometimes even in a matter of months before sit or see results, before years. Secondly, it is much safer for the participants. So for example, we talked about mediums, um, or we talked about ectoplasm being light sensitive, and that if it's unexpectedly touched or exposed to light or because the medium is in a deep trance, if something sort of jars or interferes with that trance process before the medium can naturally return to waking consciousness on their own, it can cause a great deal of physical harm to the medium. With the sort of new energy approach, it is much less dangerous. In fact, it's, there's really no danger in it in that if a light were to come on, if someone was to be touched or, or anything like that, the phenomena would simply just stop without causing any sort of physical harm. And the third sort of primary difference is that instead of there being one individual that is sort of the soul medium, it is kind of a collective energy and a collective effort, and everyone is fully awake and fully conscious and able to experience the phenomena. Um, but I, and so like one example is, um, even though it's sort of described as a new energy, there have been a very small handful of mediums who have worked this way non-ectoplasmically um, going back for some time. So I actually think it's something that is being rediscovered. Um, one example of that is a medium who I believe her name was Rita Gould, um, but I will have to look into that and double check. Anyways, what are the types of phenomena that can come as a result of physical medium, uh, physical mediumship. There's a, a bazillion, a bajillion, um, but I'll just go through some of the most common ones that are experienced. So one of the first things is spirit lights. So in a seance room, it is sort of the manifestation of sort of a phenomena of, of lights, um, it can be little balls of light, pinpoints of light, flashes of light, sort of illuminated haze or illuminated smoke. Um, spirit lights I have seen have kind of reminded me of Tinkerbell when she, in, in like Peter Pan or um, almost like fireflies or little floating flowy things the the other way that i've experienced spirit lights is what 
to me kind of looked like, and I know that this is a strange analogy, but what kind of looked like a, um, I guess like a jellyfish of light for a lack of better words. Um, just, or, or if you were to imagine like a piece of cloth or a plastic bag underwater, just sort of undulating and sort of free of any particular form. Um, but independent of, it's not like it's, uh, projected on a wall. It's, it's a, um, separate sort of independent dimensional light. So that are, that's spirit lights. We kind of talked about wrapping, spirit wrapping, um, when we mentioned the Fox sisters, which are assembly, uh, essentially knocking. And usually that knocking can be sort of developed as a code of some sort, either, you know, one for yes, two for no, or knocking out wraps uh, for the letters of the alphabet to spell messages. Levitations can be a part of physical phenomena. So this can be levitations of objects in the room. It could be levitation of the medium, like uh, Daniel Douglas Hume. It can be um, levitations of the table, if someone is working around a table. Um, it could be levitation of the sitters. Oftentimes, the levitation is um, levitation of a spirit trumpet. So this is where we're going to talk for a moment about direct voice and independent voice. And the phenomena is is pretty similar. So direct voice is when spirit is able to audibly speak within a seance and you're hearing their voice just as clearly as you're hearing mine and you can speak back and forth and have a full-blown conversation. Um which sounds mind-blowing, and it is, if you've been lucky enough to experience it. And I consider myself very blessed to have been able to experience uh, this phenomena, voice phenomena. So there's two different ways that this happens. When we use the term independent voice, what happens is that from the medium, the ectoplasm forms sort of a, a, almost like a voice box or a, a a replica of a larynx and the spirit person is able to because they don't have a physical body and you need uh something physical to create vibration to create sound audible sound so it creates sort of a replica of the voice box the larynx the vocal cords and they're able to speak through that and sometimes you will see with seance paraphernalia what sort of looks like a megaphone it's oftentimes they're aluminum, but we're seeing more and more cardboard ones these days. Um, the material I don't believe is as important, but basically this is what we call a spirit trumpet and it's used to amplify the spirit's voice. And so it's sort of the same process, except the spirit person, um, sort of that ectoplasmic voice box is formed within the trumpet, which just allows for it to be louder. So, ectoplasm exudes from the medium. There's usually some sort of a cord or ectoplasmic rod that comes from the medium to the trumpet. And then the larynx is formed inside and it is able to be moved and directed around the room. 
Now, if you're working in red light conditions, you may be able to see this. Um, although if you're working in dark conditions, oftentimes the seance participants will put uh, phosphorescent or, or luminescent little bits of tape or stickers on the item so that they can see where they're at as they move around the room. Uh, so we mentioned um, Leslie Flint earlier. He would be a wonderful example of independent voice. And if that is something that interests you, there are literally hundreds of hours of his seance recordings on YouTube. Or you could go to the Leslie Flint Trust website and listen to those or read the transcripts. Um, apports are something else that... Get, seem to get a lot of attention. Um, and I might say some things here that might make some people upset. So an apport is when spirit will essentially kind of teleport, for lack of better words, something into the seance room that was not there. So apport is when they bring something in. Asport is when they take something away. And the way that they do this is they sort of speed up the molecular structure, the vibrational structure of an object so quickly that it sort of disperses and then they slow down those after they sort of, and how exactly they do this, I have no idea. It would probably take someone an understanding of quantum mechanics, um, but then they replace or, or, or um, direct where they want this object to be, and then they slow the molecules down and it becomes solid once again. Um, now, apports, there are many, many reports of apports, and there are some really phenomenal reports of different types of apports, everything from flowers, coins, um, pottery, plants, um, water, I mean, anything you can think of, and sometimes things from even faraway places, um, and sometimes they just appear in the room, sometimes they may fall from the sky, um, what we tend to see a lot of now, I, I know I mentioned how there's kind of a resurgence of physical phenomena lately, and how I'm very mistrustful of a lot of the alleged, uh, physical phenomena mediums that are out there advertising, you know, that whole capitalism thing that's infiltrated spiritualism. And I'm going to just say this, the spirit world does not need the body of a medium to produce an apport. If they want to apport something, they can literally drop it out of thin air. So when you see people spitting up gems or jewelry out of their mouth, out of their ears, out of their nose, um, I am suspect and left with a very bad taste in my mouth because even though these things are remarkable, if someone is presenting things in a, I guess, like, if it looks like a dog and pony show, it's probably a dog and pony show. The spirit world does not need the flash and the glamour and the theatrics. And I guess I will just leave that at that.
Um, the other thing, too, is when you look historically, some of the, the most remarkable physical mediums of the past, airports were not just material items for the sake of material items. They had significance and they demonstrated a degree of uh, evidence. So perhaps uh, if a piece of jewelry was apported, maybe the cross necklace that appeared was the cross necklace that your mother was buried with. Or if a rare coin was apported, maybe it was a year of the person's you know, birth that you were communicating with in the seance. Or um, if a flower appears, maybe it was... You were talking to your grandmother named Rose and she brought you roses. Or, you know, you were talking to a child that you lost and her favorite flowers were lilies and she left you lily blossoms. Or there was always some sort of deeper meaning that demonstrated the intelligence of the spirit world. It wasn't just, you know, faceted, cheap, semi-precious gems that you can buy in bulk on Etsy and eBay. Anyways... So, um, we talk spirit lights, wrappings, um, apports, levitation, independent direct voice. Now, a couple other things that are kind of interesting. One is, um, direct writing. Now, direct writing is basically where the spirit world, and this is where too, I'm going to talk about precipitation mediumship, which is very similar, um, can be, can be similar. And sometimes we don't know exactly how the spirit world is producing it. Um, but writing and imagery can kind of be the, the mechanics can be the same and, and how the spirit world produces them if we're privy to, to it. So direct writing is basically, where the spirit world writes a message, probably through um, a semi-materialized hand or a materialized figure writing the message out for themselves. So someone may leave a pen and paper um, on a table and the spirit world will write a message, sign their name, draw a picture. So that's sort of like direct when the spirit world is picking up and manipulating the instruments. Spirit precipitation is when those things are sort of, um, I guess for lack of better words, precipitated. Often it, we tend to think of it more with imagery, art. So for example, the Bang sisters, May and Lizzie Bangs, what they would do is they would put a canvas in a window and they would cover it with paper or some sort of cloth so you could see a little bit of light shining through. And one sister would sit on one side of the canvas, the other sister would sit on the other side of the canvas, and they would hold the edges. And as they were demonstrating, giving clairvoyant messages, um, you could see through the faint light that was just enough to be shining through those canvases, almost what appeared like smoke. And then within that smoke, images started to form. And by the time they were done and they unwrapped the canvas, an image of your loved one would be sort of painted, for lack of better words, on the, um, on the canvas. So the Campbell brothers, I believe, um, and the Bangs, 
sisters. If you ever can have the opportunity to to see any of the Bang sisters' portraits, um, there's many at the art gallery in Camp Chesterfield, but they're amazing to witness. Now, for a long time, if, if you look at them, you'll notice there's no brush strokes. They almost looked airbrushed. And for a long time, people would say that um, that they didn't know what sort of substance was used, that it almost appeared to be a, a dust-like substance that the images were produced in. No brush strokes or anything like that. They're they're very lifelike, very, um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to describe. It's something you'd have to see for yourself. However, that is, I don't know if it's just um, fantastic sounding, but um, there is, and I wish I pulled it up before I started recording, but the uh, Bang Sisters did use some sorts of paints or charcoals, and they would have them sort of open or around and in the room, and the spirit world would sort of, I'm guessing, kind of um, draw that into the ethers and then re-manifest that onto the canvas in a manipulated way. So it was, you know, the Bang Sisters were providing the pigments, the medium, uh, as the mediums providing the medium, um, but the spirit world are the ones who sort of painted, for lack of better words, the picture. Now, sort of the last uh, type of phenomena that I'll talk about is sort of the end-all, be-all. I have never experienced this particular phenomena. Um, there are some mediums who claim to produce this phenomena today. I am skeptical. Um, there are some physical mediums who um, have managed partial or, or, or semi this phenomena, which I think is probably true, but that is materialization. Materialization is sort of the uh, holy grail of physical phenomena. And if... Um, I guess basically, to put it plainly, it's when the spirit world uses the ectoplasm drawn from the medium to sort of coat their etheric selves, and it allows them to become solid and tangible once again. So what would happen is oftentimes either you would see your loved one step out of the cabinet as appearing like a flesh and bone human being and you could see them, hear them, hug them, talk to them, embrace them and when the energy was running out or when it was time for them to go they would simply sort of melt down into the floor and that ectoplasm would then go back into the cabinet and someone else, as the energy rebuilt, another spirit would manifest and another spirit would manifest. Um, in the new energy approach, we have something very similar to materialization, uh, but we call this etherealization, which I guess the best analogy kind of reminds me of in Star Wars when R2-D2 kind of projects the little hologram, kind of like a hologram. Um, not so much solid, more ethereal, um, more hologram-like, but it's, it 
happens. And I'm going to give you some resources and things like this to look into if you are interested. But I did want to mention because um, last episode I talked about biblical references to mediums uh, and mediumship and sort of viewing spiritualism through a biblical lens. And so I talked primarily about um, mental phenomena. So I wanted to mention some of the physical phenomena that I've researched here and some of the examples of scripture that I'm going to give to you. Um, But I do always want to cite and give credit for my sources. So I'm going to recommend that if sort of the biblical perspective is interesting to you, I recommend The Psychic Life of Jesus by G. Maurice Elliott and um, The Gifts of the Spirit Church and credit to Sydney Swartz. Um, and I believe it's just gifts of the spirit church.com or geo uh, gifts of tsc.com. Um, but he had a lot of these resources already outlined, and I just had to look them up and find the ones that I wanted to cite. So giving thanks and credit where credit is due. Anyways. So, some examples of spirit lights in the Bible. Exodus 3, verse 2. There the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. In Exodus 13, 20, the Israelites are being led through the desert. And it says, after leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Um, in Acts 2-3, this is the day of Pentecost, Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, so small flickers of flame, which parted and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues. In Acts 9, 3, uh, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. So it's talking about uh, Paul on the, or Saul, Paul on the road to Damascus, um, He approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. So that's some examples of light uh, spirit phenomena. In regards to apports, this is, I believe, 1 Kings. although I didn't make a note to myself if it was first or second, so forgive me there, but uh, King 17, 14 through 16. And this is where um, Elijah is staying with the widow, if you're familiar with that story. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord of The God of Israel says, The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. 
So Elijah is staying with this widow. She only has enough food to make a, a, a little bit of a meal for her and her son. And then essentially they planned on starving to death. <laughs> and Elijah's like, no, use what you have and it will be replaced spiritually. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. In Psalms chapter 78, verse 24, he rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all food that they could eat. He let loose the east winds from the heaven and by his power made the south wind blow. Another example of this, and some might argue this is a form of precipitation instead of apport, but in Matthew, Jesus feeds the masses. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Um, so that's apports here. A couple examples of, of potential uses of spirit cabinets in the Bible. Um, the tent of meeting in Exodus. This is Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it up outside the camp some distance away calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go into the tent of meeting outside the camp, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all of the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, a pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. So, ectoplasm, because Moses was a medium. While the Lord spoke with Moses... Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So there's an example of direct voice in there as well. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And so that may be an example of... Uh, Joshua sort of acting as a battery or providing power for his medium, his uh, teacher. Some people might say that Jesus walking on water in Matthew 14 is an example of levitation. In, let's see here, an example of automatic writing. Now, some people might argue that automatic writing is in a form of physical mediumship, and I think it honestly depends because a lot of what people call automatic writing is actually a form of inspirational writing, um, which would be mental in nature. But when automatic writing is done to where the spirit world is controlling the, the hand, very similar to direct writing, but they're 
writing with the hand of the medium. The medium has no conscious awareness of what's being written or control over their hand. That would be a little bit more physical in nature. So in Exodus 31, 18, when the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. So some might say that they were received through automatic writing. Other people might say it was a form of uh, direct writing or precipitation. Um, let's see here. Here's an example of some direct writing. This is Daniel 5, 5 through 29. Suddenly a person's hand appeared and began writing on the wall. The finger scratched words into the plaster on the, on the wall near the lampstand in the king's palace. The king was watching the hand as it wrote. We talked about um, trumpet mediumship, and some people say that this may be a nod to trumpet phenomena. Exodus 20, verse 18. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. Few examples of independent voice. Mark 1, 11, and a voice came from heaven. So this would be the baptism of Jesus. And this isn't clear audience because everyone is hearing this objectively. Um, John the Baptist heard this as well, not just Jesus, but the voice said, You are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Even though trance is not physical phenomena, depending on how the physical phenomena is produced, trance may be required. So a few examples of trance uh, or that may indicate trance states within the Bible. First um, Samuel 10, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. So a different personality speaking through you. To us, that sounds like trance. Um, Job 42.3, you asked, Who is this that obscured my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand things too wonderful for me to know. That's important because if it's truly the spirit world that's entrancing us, they're going to speak beyond our current level of intelligence or um, our, our particular level of elocution. It demonstrates the intelligence of the spirit world. In Ezekiel 2.2, And the spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spake to me. And Daniel 8.18, while I was speaking, while he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and I raised to my feet. Um, I also wanted to touch on one of my favorite examples of physical phenomena within the Bible. This is from the transfiguration on the mount. So this would be Matthew chapter 17. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. 
So this is, I, I do need to mention transfiguration because I don't know if I did here, but this may be an example of transfiguration. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So we have the materialization uh, of spirits because Moses and Elijah were both dead by the time of Christ. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So that may be a reference to cabinets to help maintain that energy. While he was speaking, a bright cloud, ectoplasm, covered them, and a voice from the cloud, direct voice, said, This is my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So I, I must touch on transfiguration. Transfiguration is when, while in an altered state, there is what happens to um, be called sort of an ectoplasmic mask. So uh, some type, form, or consistency of ectoplasm begins to um, build up over the face of the medium and spirit is then able to manipulate it so that their face is sort of superimposed over the mediums like a mask. Now, there are a lot of people who think they're doing or demonstrating transfiguration, and this is usually in a red light, where they're sitting in a red light in a dark room, and people will say, oh, I saw... You know, for a minute you looked like a man, or you looked like you had a mustache, or you looked Chinese, or... Okay, but that may be individuals, spiritual senses, or clairvoyance, perceiving energy. Because oftentimes in those scenarios, not everyone's seeing the same thing. It's a little bit more subjective. With true transfiguration... It is sort of a mask that is slightly in front of and off the face of the medium. And there should be no doubt of what is being seen, the changes that are being made. And everyone should be able to see this equally and distinctly. Um, one of the most well-known transfiguration mediums was a woman by the name of Queenie Nixon. So you can look her up if you're interested in that. The last thing... Um, that I wanted to mention as far as materialization, and I want to pull up the link here. Last time I used the Bible, um, this time I'm pulling the verses up um, online. It's much easier than flipping through a Bible when trying to do a podcast. Um, but this is about Saul, and this is from 1 Samuel 28. And this is an example of a materialization seance, essentially. So, about the time the Philistines mustered their armies for another war with Israel, King Ashish told David, you and your men will be expected to join me in battle. Very well, David agreed. Now you will see for yourself what we can do. Um, actually, I'm going to skip down just a little bit. We're going to skip down to verse 7 for time's sake. Saul then said to his advisors, find a woman who is a medium so I can go and ask her what to do. And his advisors replied, there is a medium at Endor. 
uh, Saul had actually banned mediumship and any sort of what he called necromancy. But now he wanted um, to seek Samuel, so he's breaking his own rules here. Um, so Saul disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothing instead of his royal robes. Then he went to the woman's home at night, accompanied by two of his men. I have to talk to a man who's died, he said. Will you call up his spirit for me? Are you trying to get me killed, the woman demanded? You know that Saul has outlawed all the mediums and all who consult spirits. Why are you setting a trap for me? But Saul took an oath in the name of the Lord and promised, As surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you for doing this. Finally, the woman said, Whose spirit do you want me to call? Call up Samuel. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, You've deceived me, you are Saul. Don't be afraid, the king told her. What do you see? I see a god coming up out of the earth, she said. What does he look like? He is an old man wrapped in a robe, she replied. Saul realized it was Samuel, and he fell to the ground before him. And then Saul is now, now seeing this for himself, and Samuel, who has been materialized, says, Why have you disturbed me by calling me back? Um, and it goes on, and you can read that for yourself. But it uh, doesn't say, some people will be like, Well, it wasn't really Saul. It was a demon. Evangelicals love to do that. Um, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's Saul. So, anyways. So those are a few biblical examples. Now, normally I have found that the podcasts tend to be falling around the 30-minute mark, and that seems to be a good one. But this one's ran a little long. And being that I'm creeping up on an hour, um, I just want to leave you. If you are interested in physical phenomena, there are several books here that I pulled from my shelf that I think hold a lot of value and information on the subject. So I'm going to recommend them to you. One is called uh, Enchanted Ground, The Spirit Room with Jonathan Coons by Sharon Hatfield. And that's about uh, Jonathan Coons, a medium from Ohio. Second one is Life After Death, Living Proof by Tom Harrison, about the mediumship of his mother, Minnie Harrison. One that I think everyone should have to read, should be required reading, is On the Edge of the Etheric by Arthur Finley. If you're interested especially in direct voice, um, The French Revelation, which is about the um, direct voice medium, Ship of Emily French by Riley Haggerty. If you're interested in the Skull Experiments, um, In Pursuit of Physical Mediumship by Robin Foy, and the Skull Experiment by Jan, or Grant and Jane Solomon are amazing. One that I absolutely adore is called Alec Harris, the full story of his remarkable physical mediumship. He was probably the king of materialization mediumship. That is by Louis Harris. And then the last one I'll recommend is called Great Moments of Modern Mediumship. And I'm sorry, Maxine, if I butcher your last name, but by Maxine uh, Mueller, Mueller, M-E-I-L-L-E-U-R. Um, forgive me, Maxine. I know that we occasionally bump into each other online in the same circles and groups. Um, so if you end up hearing this, forgive me for screwing up your last name. But um, that is a phenomenal book, and I know that there's a volume too, which I have not read yet, but look forward to. So I thank you for your time, and um, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about next, but it'll come out when it comes out. Thanks, guys.